What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what, that was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! Some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. Well, we got more running back news. How about that? Welcome to a Friday morning episode here, Fantasy Football Today. If you're not listening to our uh, brand new podcast, Fantasy Football Today in 5, please check that out. Five-minute episode, first thing in the morning to get you caught up on the latest news. But we don't have this Adrian Peterson news. We welcome you. I'm Adam Azer with Jamie Eisenberg. In about 10 minutes, we'll have Chris Harris of Harris Football coming on. Um, We actually just recorded that interview, so I can tell you it was really, really good. He gives a lot of different takes that you don't hear on this podcast, um, and uh, and we'll hear from him, and then we'll read your emails and your Apple podcast questions. Jamie, what's going on? How you doing, buddy? Oh, there you are. Hi, I'm I'm doing well. Are you ready for the Buccaneers to sign Adrian Peterson? It's not going to happen. Stop, (laughs) stop. Stop. All right, listen, I'm going to get your reaction I'm on ready for the, I'm ready for the Texans to sign Adrian Peterson and, and Bill O'Brien trading his star receiver uh, to get David Johnson and then David Johnson backing up Adrian Peterson. Oh, maybe he'll trade Will Fuller. Maybe like he'll do like a sign-in trade to just somehow. J.J. Watt for uh, Adrian For Adrian Peterson, for a free agent. Um, draft season's here. Your league can't make picks in person this year, so we've partnered with Google Meet to help you connect. With easy-to-join video calls, your entire league can draft face-to-face from around the world. Post on your league's message board to ask your commissioner to set up a Meet video call for your draft. A Meet link can be created from your commissioner's desktop league homepage or draft setup page. And players can safely join on their laptop, mobile device, Nest Hub, Max, and even cast the meeting to the TV. So this is a great way to be together if you can't actually be together. Good luck in your draft, everybody. All right, so Adrian Peterson released by the Redskins, or the, the Washington football team. i got to stop doing that. I'm sorry. The Washington football team. They, uh, they have not finished higher than 17th in rushing since 2013 when they had Alfred Morris and RG3. But... That being said, Peterson has had more than 200 carries two straight years, uh, 251 carries two years ago. So it's obviously a big role being freed up here, Jamie. What's your take? Uh, look, I, I I gave credit to the Washington football team for you know two things. One, they realized that they need to get younger and, and see what they have with their, their younger guys. Um, I hope it's not going to be Peyton Barber and J.D. McKissick, but that's a different point. We'll get to that in a second. But... Peterson's not the future. This is not a, a playoff caliber team. You're investing in seeing if Gibson could be maybe a feature back. You want to see if Bryce Love can recapture his pre-ACL days. Let those guys play. And so don't put Barber and McKissick out there and make those guys 
make, make those guys relevant. Let them be backups. But the other side of it is, and this came out with, uh, I, I forget her name, but the new vice president of communications for the Washington football team. Uh, she tweeted that Washington did this today to give Peterson his own day as opposed to him being released on Saturday with everybody else mm-hmm. and being just thrown in the mess in, in, a, in a transaction line so that they could thank him and give him a chance to see if he can land somewhere else. You know what I mean? He's uh, he's obviously what he's done on the field is Hall of Fame worthy. And so it's just maybe his time is done. So uh, we'll see if he ends up somewhere else. But I, I, I applaud Washington for uh, – recognizing what the right thing is for their franchise, not to run a 35 year old running back out there, even though he may get a thousand yards, he could have, I mean, you know, he was a thousand yard guy two years ago, 900 yards last year. Um, they're, they're recreating their football team and the youth in their backfield should be served to show if they can be the future of the backfield in 2021 and beyond. Okay. Now what are we doing drafts? Well, I mean, we've been drafting Antonio Gibson first. Anyway, at least we've been telling you to, and you know, he goes now from, a round eight to 10 pick in PPR, non PPR to close to around six pick. You know, I mean, he's going to be just outside my top 24 in PPR and uh, I'm, I'm, I haven't updated my rankings yet. So I apologize. But uh, for me, I'm probably going to take him over Leonard Fournette in PPR. You know, I just think there's uh th- there's, there's such a huge ceiling available here. If they do the right thing, you know, again, we could be seeing a situation of Barber and McKissick, <laughs> you know, are, are you going to take, really are you going to take Gibson over, let's say Deandre Swift? Yes. Okay, yes. let me ask you. <laughs> he's he's he he is he is now the fourth rookie running back for me, and but that's assuming that Daryl Henderson is banged up. This is a guy that had thirty three carries in college at Memphis. Don't care. Well, don't care. do you think he's going to get carries? I think he's going to get close to hundred carries. Okay, so so he's so he's so he's what Tariq Cohen. Yeah, that's that's right in the range where I have Tariq Cohen. Except you don't know if he, okay, we don't know if he's going to be as good as Tariq Cohen uh, as a pass catcher. He might be better than Tariq Cohen. I mean, he he might he might get 150 carries. He might get 200 carries. You know, I I think that's a very very you know optimistic uh, glasses full, <laughs> not half full glasses full, you know view of what Gibson could be. But I I that there's there's a path that you know there's a path to a, a lot of work. And so I don't think they make this move if they're not comfortable with him. Most of all, because. Barber is who Barber is. You know, he got 180 touches last year and was terrible in, in Tampa Bay. You know, has is, is he been that good in, in training camp that they're going to make him the featured guy? Is Bryce Love ready to go? Is he going to be the featured guy? I, I think 100 carries is realistic, and I think 50 catches is realistic. You know, so 150 catches with what he might be able to Touch. do on top of that. You're, <laughs> you're buying upside. 150 touches, yeah. 100 carries, 50 catches, you're thinking? Um, yeah. That's not enough for me to... Like I think he needs more like seventy catches if he's going to be around six pick. But I'm I'm I I think he could do that now. I do. Okay. Okay. Uh, what about Bryce Love? What about Peyton? What about anybody Love, else worth drafting here? Love is the only other one that I would draft in a twelve team, fifteen round draft, sixteen round draft. I, I just don't think you want to take the chances on Barber and McKissick because I don't think those guys are league winning type of players. Yeah. I don't know if Love and Gibson are, but I know what Love's pedigree is if he's healthy. I know what Gibson's pedigree could be, you know, based on the investment. Um, they got a great offense coordinator, Scott Turner, you know, who's been created with his backs. And his father was one of the best offensive coordinators with his running backs as well. And so I'm going to buy into what Gibson could be as a pass catcher and, and, and what I hope will be as a runner. I'm going to buy into Bryce Love, you know, hopefully impressing enough that they decided to make this move. I hope, again, it's not, hey, Peterson 
and Barber, the same. So let's just go with Barber. Ugh. And McKissick, you know, is, is a guy that can make plays out of the backfield and let's not use Gibson the right way. Ugh. You know, I, I'd rather them, you know, use the youthful guys. That's what you're hoping for. It's probably aggressive, but you know, that's, that's, I think where I may come out on it. And, and, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm talking this out. I haven't done it yet, but um, I know how I feel about some of those guys in that 25 to 30 range. And, and I think that there might be a higher ceiling for Gibson than a lot of them. Certainly than Swift at this point. To you expect, know, Swift is banged up. Isn't it a lot to expect Gibson to be a good running back this year, a good rusher? Like, he has just barely carried the ball since high school, as Dave's outlined. Totally. Yeah. That, that's that's I think the 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 right side to come out on if you're concerned. So okay. you know, Tariq Cohen might be better, and and I have Tariq Cohen right outside my top twenty-four. So he's you know probably going to be right in that range. But I, I you're you're just buying what the there's a path, you know, and 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 the path is there for him to. Maybe it is 120 carries. Maybe it is 150 carries. You know, I, I don't know where the ceiling ends for him, and and the floor could be 33 carries. You You're going to take I think, uh, you have to deal with. David Montgomery or um, or Antonio Gibson. In PPR, I'm going to take Gibson. In half PPR. Gibson. Okay. How about Bryce Love or Ryquell Armstead? Got asked that question this morning by a friend of mine, and the way that I me uh, answered. Are you talking about me right now? Different friend. This <laughs> um, that I think if Chris Thompson gets hurt, which we know happens a lot, Armstead could be their pass catching guy. So I probably would hold on to Armstead for now, but I would find a way to carry both if you can. So like in, in this particular case, my buddy said I could drop Jalen Rager. And I said, that's easy. You know, drop Rager at this point and, and pick up love and just see what happens, but they'll be in the same range. They're, they're, they're similar situations. You know, opening is there now for them to get a good workload. Uh, I'm assuming you're going to take uh, Antonio Gibson ahead of Ronald Jones. Easy. I mean, I'm, like I said, I'm, I may do it ahead of Fournette. Yeah, right. That's why. Right. Okay. All right. So, high on Antonio Gibson. Good to know. And take Bryce Love as a flyer. Uh, do you have any, is there any fantasy impact to the Buccaneers uh, releasing Dario Gumbawale? It's better for Lashawn McCoy. You know, I, I don't know if they would have used both of them and maybe hold on to both of them, um, you know, very long if, if uh, one was going to be inactive and you figured that McCoy would have been that person just because of what Ogumbawale was for them as a special teams guy. So now you, you kind of figure that if they're going to have one guy as a passing downs back, it's probably going to be McCoy uh, ahead of Ronald Jones and, and Leonard Fournette. I just, it just feels messy. It just really feels messy. You know, we've said this a couple of days now that, Fournette's the best of that trio. You know, his pedigree and, and his upside is is the one you want to target. It's just how high you want to reach for him. You know, like, uh, again, you know, referencing where Dave and Heath have them, have him in their rankings. I, I just can't get there. I can't get to, you know, ranking Fournette as a starter uh, for fantasy right now. I think he's just a good flex. All right, we're going to bring on Chris Harris in just a bit. Uh, Jamie's actually going to step off, um, and then we'll have Chris come on. Uh, like I said, we already... Had Chris come on. Great stuff. So stay tuned. And I know a lot of people, by the way, struggle with credit card debt. And it can be really tough. And you don't need to be an expert to know that consolidating credit card debt into one low fixed rate can save you money. So start saving today with a credit card consolidation loan from Lightstream. Lightstream's been a sponsor for a while now. This is good stuff. I've gotten really good feedback from our listeners. Go to lightstream.com slash FFT right now for an additional discount. Lightstream believes that 
People with good credit deserve a great interest rate and no fees, and that's exactly what they deliver. Lightstream's fixed-rate credit card consolidation loans start at 5.95% APR with auto pay and excellent credit. 5.95%, you're talking some interest rates are over 19% APR. So you can get a loan from $5,000 to $100,000 with absolutely no fees, and the application is 100% online, and you can even get money as soon as the day you apply. So I've seen the burden that credit card debt has had on some friends of mine. It's it's really tough. It's hard to deal with. And now we have lightstream.com slash FFT, which can be so helpful. So our listeners can save even more with an additional interest rate discount. The only way to get this discount is to go to lightstream.com slash FFT, L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M.com slash FFT. Subject to credit approval, rate includes a 0.5% auto pay discount, terms and conditions apply, and offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com slash FFT for more information. And now joined by an awesome guest, friend of the program, comes on every year, also was on the Draftathon with us, Chris Harris from Harris Football is here. Good morning, Chris. 7:30 in the morning for you. Thank you. <laughs> that I appreciate that that you came that you woke up. I, I wouldn't have done that for you. No way. So I mean, thank I, you. I was awake. I just have a, I have to do my own show. So, you know, it's got to get to fit it all in, but I'm happy to be here. What thank time you do you wake me. up? What's a normal wake up time? I mean, it depends on how panicky I am about how the show or what I have to do, but maybe 5:30 or 6. Oh. Holy cow. Yeah. All right. Well, good. You're a morning person. That is good. That is good for uh, for what we're asking for today. So, yeah, I just want to get your thoughts on on some fantasy football here. Go to harrisfootball.com and download the almanac and all the great things and listen to the podcast and find out about Chris. Apparently, quite a renaissance man. He's an author. Mm-hmm. I see you play guitar, right? A little bit. A little yeah, bit, a little bit. Tell us about your. You, you do a lot of stuff. You're not just a fantasy football guy. Right. I mean, hey, man, I like this stuff fine, but if I could get away with not doing it, I mean, that'd be that'd be okay too. Just as this is how you pay the bills. <laughs> oh, okay. So, would you rather be like a rock star, world famous author, fantasy football guru? How would you rank those uh, three? I don't ca- yeah, I don't care about being a rock star. I mess around on the guitar, but I'm not nearly good enough. Uh, and I don't care about being wor- world famous. If I could make money enough money to live on writing books. Yeah, that sounds pretty good. Okay. I say that, but you know what? Every time this, every year, this time of year, it comes around, and I've been living in a cave for six months, writing whatever I've been writing, and it's fun to because I, you know, the, my podcast does really well, and it's five days a week, and it's a very, very, very. You've listened to the show, like it's a very enthusiastic, involved audience who mm-hmm. writes songs, and you know, just it is crazy. It's a crazy audience, and. Probably if I didn't have that interaction, it would be a little sad. So it's a nice balance, a little bit of both. Oh, yeah. No, podcasting is the best. Such a personal connection with your listeners, just different than any other medium. So it's great. Um, All right. So any draft tips or strategies you would like to share? What kind of question is that, Adam? Very vague question. It's We got a big draft weekend. If, if somebody right. approached you on the streets, hey, Chris Harris, I got my draft take coming up. Players. What should I do? Yeah, take no. good players. I'd say, I'd say take players you like. I'd say that's my, my number one piece of advice is take players you like. And then, of course, the response is, yeah, but I don't know anything yet. Who do I like? I don't know. I mean, so this is the year that it feels like the market draft-wise has kind of come around to where I always am. I'm I'm always 
draft scarcity. You know, I'm just never the person who takes the, the quarterback or the tight end in the first couple of rounds. And running back is always the default for as long as the running backs don't make me nauseous. So I'm, I'm managing scarcity because running back, you know, the sort of the premier feature running back is the rarest thing there is in fantasy. And so I, I, I'll just this year, it feels like no, you know, because receiver was such a disaster last year, five of the top 10 crap, totally crapped out. Uh, the world has come around to this point of view and I'm sure the world will leave it again. You know, this year we'll have some bad running back performances and next year it'll be like, you know, pick seven. You're an idiot if you're taking a running back. It's time to go wide receiver. <laughs> but this year, I mean, you saw how our, our drafts have gone, you know, and that, that charity draft, I picked seventh. I took Michael Thomas. I was the only one to take a wide receiver, like in the first 14 or 15 picks. It's just, it's super, super RB heavy. Mm-hmm. I don't think I can tell the random person on the street that you have to take a running back, but I, you should at least understand how scarce people think running back is and how important. And therefore, if you're going to draft against that, you have to do it purposefully and have a plan for what happens in later rounds. All right. So I'm going to fire some, some players at you that have been hot topics, I guess on our show, maybe our analysts don't don't quite agree on and just tell me how you're feeling. Uh, Nick Chubb. Uh, wish he had a job entirely to himself, but I think he's a late, late first rounder. Oh. I actually did my preseason awards uh, on my podcast today for on Friday, and I gave him the 2020 Fantasy MVP award. Wow! So, like the value delivered. Where are you going to take him? Okay, so this is you're meaning full PPR. You'd still take Nick Chubb in the first round. I, uh, full PPR. It's getting close because I'm gonna I'm gonna stick some wide receivers above yeah. him and that not running backs that other people are gonna do right. I would probably take five receivers before I take Nick Chubb, so he might be close. Okay. To the turn. How about Austin Eckler? I mean, in a full point person, he deserves to be a second round pick, probably no matter the format. I think, and you know, if we're talking standards, probably end of the second. If we're talking PPR, I feel gross about it, but it's probably like early middle the gross thing is just you know i last year's the most carries he ever had it was like less than 10 a game it's it's i I don't know for sure what the role is but you got to think he's going to catch a bunch of passes so in a full ppr league would you take chubb or eckler uh i think i have chubb higher yeah okay uh deandre hopkins uh, f- fully in favor. There are five receivers, I feel like, who s- stand completely above the rest. I happen to have Hopkins fifth in that group, but uh, if somebody told me that they had him third, that'd be fine. I'm not concerned about changing teams. I just think we come up with a lot of reasons for... for there are going to be some players who wind up changing teams, and we can blame the pandemic, and then there are going to be other players who change teams and are great, and we'll, we'll just forget that. <laughs> I'm just going to look, because he's someone that Dave is high on. Jamie and Heath have Hopkins uh, six for Jamie and non-PP. Okay, six. Uh, oh, no. Heath has Hopkins much lower. 14th. So, he, yeah, he's been a bit he's of right. a hot topic, too. I think I think they're feeling like he's, he's going to get like 130 targets. What do you like? Do you have a target estimation for Hopkins? I, I don't because it doesn't because we're terrible at projections. We're, we all <laughs> sit around and go. We know exactly how many tar- like in the end, the elite receivers get seven, eight, nine targets a game. That's what they get, period. He's an elite player. There, there's no offense in the NFL that's not going to give him seven, eight, nine targets a week. So does it turn out to be Michael Thomas getting 500? Like, maybe not. But I don't know. Like, every time I get drawn into a conversation about projection, projecting specific stats for specific players, like, 
I'm, I'm going to be told on one show, I'm going to be told uh, there's not enough targets there for Hopkins. There's too many other people. On another show, I'm going to be said, oh, my God, the pace of that offense is going to be unbelievable. They're going to throw it so many times. Hopkins, how can he not get double-digit targets every week? <laughs> I just can't really play the game. I'm going to, he's an elite player in whom, if you want to use the argument that they have invested a lot, then they emotionally certainly have invested a lot. I, I just say elite players, especially at receiver, get fed. All right. How about DJ Moore? Uh, yeah, I, I think he's a wide receiver too, uh, deserves to be in that like 15 to 17 range among receivers, really good player. Uh, I think Teddy Bridgewater is good enough and like accurate enough and focused enough to, to make him useful, but probably a little bit up and down, uh, really like the skill. Juju Smith Schuster. I'm lower on him. In fact, on the telethon, we talked about that a little bit. I, I, don't know that I feel like I trust him enough from two years ago with Antonio Brown in the picture and him playing kind of a, a different s- subservient, you know, secondary role. Uh, that didn't prove enough to me to make last year matter. Not at all. Even though, of course, the quarterback was a disaster. Juju himself got hurt. I'm, I'm a little frightened by the idea that it seems like the Steelers won't have him back next year. I have I have the space between Juju and Deontay Johnson smaller. Juju's higher, obviously, significantly than most people do. So I'm never going to wind up with Juju in a draft. That was discussed on the draftathon when I like that was the one time I went I went away for the bathroom break. I missed that's, all that. that for the yeah, that's right. Yeah, and I think Jamie said Jamie said something about what was what did he say about that? I can't remember. Oh, he made some gross joke about how I like left to take a number two, which of course was not true at all. I just had to go pee and you know say hi to my wife, make sure she knew I was alive. Um, yeah, we did four four hours and fifteen minutes. Chris Harris comes on. I'm like, I gotta go, everybody. So I'm sorry, but because I knew I knew I was gonna talk to you in just a couple of days anyway. Um, well, no, you know, we did we did a telethon on my YouTube channel on April, and I did about that length too. And I know I know the pressures of which you speak. <laughs> well, you know, you just you gotta you gotta stay hydrated, right? You know, drinking <laughs> a lot right. of water. It's a tough job, Chris. We our voice, our poor voices. I, yeah. I really like Juju. Uh, I I just think. Um, you know, I think that, I think Roethlisberger is gonna gonna target him a lot. Uh, I won't project targets, but I think I think it's gonna be substantial. Uh, I, I've been I took him the earliest I took him was twenty fourth overall. Uh, of course, yeah, when you not, have not for me, yeah. When you you know when you have a swing pick, you got to go early, right? Because I know I wasn't getting him at the end of the fourth round. Um, sure, I just but, don't I just don't particularly want him this year. I don't know that he's great. Like in Fair. the end, the the argument in favor of Juju as like let's talk about a swing pick. I mean, he was being talked about as like a end of the first, beginning of the second last yeah. year because he was because Brown had left Pittsburgh. Like, uh, I mean, other if you know if if what you're telling me is basically some dude who two years ago produced some good numbers with another receiver there, and it doesn't really matter what he is, he's just a Juju sized uniform. And whoever he is, I would take him at 24th. I mean, I think that's kind of what you're saying because Juju himself is good, but like, I don't think we really know what he is. And I'm, there's other receivers I trust more. Fair enough. Yeah, I, I always, I go back to his rookie year though, you know, 917 yards and seven touchdowns as a rookie. People seem to forget about that. I mean, that, that's a great rookie year. And then 1,400 yards, seven touchdowns as a sophomore. Yeah, I mean, Antonio Brown, on one hand, probably helped him. On the other hand, Antonio Brown was 150 targets that year. But uh, I will go around in circles with this argument. So under, sure. understand where you're coming from. And Dave would agree with you. Dave is not a juju guy either. Um, let's talk about some of your favorite sleepers. Do you have uh, any sleepers you want to throw at us? I know actually this I was part of on the draft-a-thon. 
But uh, I got to remember who I said. That's like going back two days ago. Uh, <laughs> I'll say I'm still okay with taking sort of a mid round pick on um, Daryl Henderson. Uh-huh. Not that I'm anti Cam Akers necessarily, but I, I the hype that was on Daryl Henderson that I kind of didn't participate in last year, still knowing that he was a very exciting college player, like really explosive play, like players like that don't come around that often, you know? And so just athletically, the idea if 10th or 11th round on Daryl Henderson, I'm interested in just kind of having him there sitting there. Let's see what Cam Akers does. I expect Cam Akers to be pretty good. And Henderson maybe did not have a great role to start with, but he's just a really talented guy. And if the Rams are back, he'll be involved. Um, who else did I have? I mentioned Deontay Johnson in that group, similar type, type round situation, maybe seven, eight, something like that for Johnson. Uh, I'm taking that plunge quite a bit. Emmanuel Sanders, mm-hmm. I think I said to you uh, during the telethon, yeah. like uh, for, for I just there's a mentality out there that just goes, there's not enough targets to go around. And the number two wide receiver for the Saints always winds up suffering. And I'm done with Traquan Smith and I'm done with Ted Ginn. And all I can say is, yeah, that's because they're Traquan Smith and Ted Ginn. Like that's three years of not having a good number two receiver there. Emmanuel Sanders is a terrific player and isn't going to get. Michael Thomas level targets, but I'm going to view, I think if the saints are as good as we expect, if they are a wagon offensively, he is going to partake to say nothing of the idea that I love him in the red zone. He's such a good close quarters phone booth kind of player. When Michael Thomas is getting all this attention and other people are getting all this attention, Sanders scores touchdowns in the red zone. Uh, just, you know, again, I'm talking not as a fantasy starter to start, but just like as a sleeper sort of mid round. Sure. Did you say Jared Goff? Is that I one of your not. sleepers? Okay. No, sir. He's been a popular Ugh. sleeper. You don't like Jared Goff? Not at all. Oh, I love Jared Goff. We like Jared Goff. I mean, Great labor. Look, do you like Cup and Woods? Because the thing is, I don't know how... how sure. Yeah. You, so I looked at the last five years. I don't remember the exact stat, but I'll ballpark it. Last five years, um, every quarterback that had two wide receivers finished in the top 20 uh, in PPR. Or maybe it was the top uh-huh. 16, because that's where Robert Woods was. Jared Goff finished lower than every other quarterback, uh, including like Derek Carr when he had Cooper, Cooper and Crabtree. Jared Goff last year was something like QB 16. That was the worst finish of any quarterback in the last five years that had two receivers that were that successful in PPR leagues. So my th- take is like he just had a low touchdown rate. It was very low. Um, sure. If Woods we like scored, Cup, Woods if we like well. Woods, I feel yeah. like Goff is destined to be a reliable, a reliable starter that you take late in your draft. I so I agree about the touchdown luck. There's there was there was Todd Gurley pro right. touchdown luck and Robert Woods anti touchdown luck. That is a very fair fair point. Jared Goff is Kirk Cousins on a slightly better. Like he's he, you know they're gonna the problem with players like that is that they can look good in the aggregate, but there are going to be games where they need it and they get pressure and they get off schedule and they will murder your fantasy team. Mm-hmm. Just not good enough in my opinion. Oh, well that certainly happened with golf last year uh, against great opponents and golf is, right. we know the book on him. If he has a good offensive line, he's probably going to put up huge numbers. He's terrible when he's under pressure. So right. Something. Yeah. And you're right. You know, you make good points. Uh, I, I like a couple of things you've said so far. We're bad at projecting players you know, and targets and all those things. It's, you know, it's true. And it is. And the whole thing, and I go, I'm a big believer in this, the whole, he's good on an aggregate level, but looking at end of season stats is uh, sometimes very telling, but sometimes very deceiving. 
And 100%. it's some it's also it's difficult to make that case sometimes, you know, people don't want to hear that. But, well, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean that's welcome to my career, dude. I've been doing this a long time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean Amari Cooper's the best example of that from last year. Amari Cooper. Wow, what a season. Look at those numbers. Fantastic wide receiver. What was he? 6, 9, I can't remember what he was. Anybody who had Amari Cooper on fantasy team last year wanted to jump off a bridge like it was gross. It was, you know, he's it's he's got an amazing matchup and he and then in the second quarter, he's hobbling around and has one catch. And then the next week, he's got a terrible matchup, and plus he's been banged up, so he can't do anything. And he goes out against a good defense, and it's 9 for 160. Like, the ride matters, man. The ride matters. Yeah, for sure. I had him as 7th in non-PPR, 11th in PPR last year. 79 catches. Not a not a huge yeah. total. Um, all right, so I want to ask you about some sleepers that our listeners have brought up. You just We can sure. just kind of fire through these. Um, yeah. Cordero Patterson. Or any no. other Bears running back for the first week or two? Any interest? No. Other than Cohen, obviously. Okay. Tariq Cohen, yeah. Van Jefferson for the Rams. Um, Super deep. I would say not necessarily draftable, but I would say keep an eye. Okay. Daryl Williams, who apparently could uh, split carries with Clyde Edwards-Ealer in week one against the Texans. Yeah, but you're not going to start him under the, under the potential of maybe. like. And the problem in the end is that Daryl Williams is just not at all special he's literally just like a another guy he's a carlos hyde shaped player in a in the chief's uniform like he's he's fine it's just i don't know that you need to draft him because if if push comes to shove and there's no edwards hilaire anymore it's going to be him and a bunch of other guys it's not they're not just going to go okay daryl go you know they're going to okay. give it to a bunch of dudes so so you think edwards hilaire is going to have bigger share of the work than let's rewind a year ago where Damian Williams and LaShawn McCoy are splitting. You know, you think it's going to be more of a Edwards Ehlers show? I don't know. I don't think we know, but I think like I'm not taking him in the first round. I, I don't have him rated as a first round pick, even in PPR, but I get why people are. And I think if you are going to adhere to the logic that says there's a chance that the work coheres around somebody, he's the only one it could cohere around. So I don't mind that logic. I just, again, sight unseen, that sort of player. He's not Zeke. He's not Barkley. He's not someone you just need to immediately 100% believe in because he can do everything. Mm -hmm. Like Edward Solaire can't do everything. He's not big enough to do everything. So uh, I wouldn't take him in the first round, but, and I can't, I'm not going to be the one that predicts game flow or the work share. Like I just don't think we're good at that. So I would prefer to stick to, it's a great offense. That's not going away. He himself does some things that that offense is prize really, really super well. And that's awesome. And that's why he should be a top, at least top 20 pick. But uh, I, I can't tell you week one, that means 19 touches for Edward Solaire and 13 for Daryl Williams. I, I don't think we know that. One more sleeper I want to throw out at you. Uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling, you know, I've gotten some, some emails, some tweets saying, Hey, I know y'all are, are in on Alan Lazard to a degree, but there's some MVS buzz here. What do you make of that? Yeah, it, it would be one thing if he could play, he just can't, he can't <laughs> play. So I think the Lazard love that that's out there if such as it is, you know, as, as himself, a sleeper really almost is a default because you can't find another player who can play on that roster. Lazard himself, eh, like he's a tall guy who doesn't run all that well. And I mean, Aaron Rodgers quote unquote likes him. I, I, I think getting Aaron Rodgers like at this point is, is about not screwing up. And at least Lazard hasn't screwed up and MVS 
lost that job last year by screwing up. He got yelled at on national TV, maybe more than any other player in the league last year. <laughs> uh, so who? So okay, who are some of your breakouts? High, uh, you give us some sleepers. Who are some of the more high end guys that you're targeting? I don't know, dude. Name some player. Like I, I'll take anybody at the right price. Uh, so so Cortland Sutton. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like a ton and would at his, again, it's always about the price, always about the ADP, right? So I can't tell you, I I always get that guy because it depends on the price, but I would take Sutton earlier than his average draft position. I'm taking Le'Veon Bell earlier than his average draft position, even though I have misgivings, but if he is being treated as what, what do you have him as RB 27, something like that? I don't have rankings, but I will tell you what. No, no. I'm saying the, 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 the platform. Oh, uh, like our ADP? Yeah. Uh, I'll let you know. I, okay. I, I would so, say, I mean, I th- yeah, I would say that we are more like round five, I think, at this point for Le'Veon Bell. Right. Uh, and yeah. so I think that translates to outside like the top 20. I think it actually translates pretty close to exactly where he finished last year. And what I have to say, I don't know if you want me to get off on the Le'Veon Bell. Like, sure. I, of course he shouldn't be valued as a first round pick anymore. It's be ludicrous. It's be stupid because we know of all these risk factors, but everything went wrong last year and he still figured finished at whatever, let's say what the number is RB 20, whatever it was. And that's exactly where the market is valuing him this year. That means you're, you're baking in exactly zero range of possible outcomes, any better than last year, which seems crazy to me. They did get a brand new offensive line. They do. It is just a new year. The NFL does change from year to year. But Doesn't he fall into the aggregate category? Because Le'Veon Bell was kind of a stiff last year. Like, he, he, oh, he totally was. He it caught was a, a lot of passes. Season. So in a PPR league, you could start him and be like, okay, well, at least I have a high floor. But Disaster season. Yeah, it was, was a, It was one of the worst high usage running yeah. back seasons of the last decade. It was right. terrible. But <laughs> do you think he's cooked? Well, I Personally, don't, but I, but I, think, a, I think the carries go down because I think Frank Gore... For some well, reason, you're playing the game. You're playing the game that I don't want to play, which is I I'm I know Adam Gase puppet master, and I know exactly what strings he's going to pull. And the fact is, we don't. If Le'Veon Bell comes out and is awesome, and and I know people are going to tell me because guys watching them run against air that Le'Veon Bell's had quote unquote a bad camp, like that means something. I don't know. All of these things could be danger signs, but the, my point is, he's being valued exactly where he finished last year, a bad season with no range of possible outcomes for a better season. So I'll put it this way. At least I view it that way. And so philosophically, what I would like to do is draft players who are being valued at the bottom end of their range of possible outcomes. I think it's hard to argue that Le'Veon Bell has much lower possible outcome than where he's being drafted. Okay, so he's going on our website, 37th. Now that might be dropping because the reports lately. So that's a third. Right. That's a fourth I, that's round high. pick. That's that's higher than most. Yeah, that's yeah. overall. That's that is higher than most places. Right. It, well, see, that's, everybody in CBS is smart. That's the problem. No, you, know, you can't get a lot of value there. No, he's that's too high. I'm in thirties because here's the other like Juju Smith-Schuster, Allen or Adam Thielen, Cooper Cup, Mike Evans, mm-hmm. Zach Ertz, Amari Cooper, Calvin Ridley. There's so many wide receivers I'd, that I think a lot of us would rather have at that point. Um, so I, it's Depends not on like what I you took it, previously, right? It's not like yeah. I hate where he's going amongst running backs. Just I'm, I'm not passing up on wide receivers that have the chance to be elite to take Le'Veon Bell. And I know you don't want to get into... Is, per- yeah, go ahead. go ahead. Well, the thing is, I think Bell has a chance to be elite too. I think you could pretty convincingly argue that 
some of those receivers you mentioned have a better, higher percentage chance. Their range of possible outcomes includes a higher range of elite outcomes. But if unless we're going to make the argument that there's just something about Le'Veon Bell that's changed at age 28 and he himself has just gotten fat and slow and lazy and bad, there is a range of possible outcomes where the Jets are this year's 49ers and nobody expects the offense to be good and suddenly it is. And Le'Veon Bell is the prime beneficiary and he is actually pretty good at football and therefore can can capitalize. I'm not saying that's a huge chance. I just don't think that's being baked into his value. If Now, in the, in the as you're describing it, end of the third, early fourth, it actually probably is being baked into the value. But like you said, I thought most places he's going like fifth round. So would you take like uh, David Johnson, Jonathan Taylor, Melvin Gordon, Le'Veon Bell? Where does he in that group? Uh, certainly, I mean, say him again. Yeah, uh, Jonathan Taylor, Melvin Gordon, Todd, uh, no, not Todd Gurley. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, Melvin Gordon, Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson. Uh, I, I don't think I have any of those running backs ahead of him. I think I would have Bell ahead of all those guys. You're not yeah. worried about Frank Gore? Because he got, no, I, mean, I know you don't want to project, but, but he does, yeah. like he does. He stinks. He does Bad. stink, but also like he gets over 100 carries every year, and and Gase just gave him two years ago, just gave him way too big of a role when it should have been the Kenyon Drake show. Yeah, I just don't. I just think I think my philosophy of this stuff is that we're you can't selectively apply logic and say, ah, this team, I'm sure this not this this guy's going to get this number. A number of carries or number of whatevers. If a player winds up being good, they get enough work to sustain them as fantasy options, especially if I don't have to take them in the first couple of rounds. Mm-hmm. Like, I just feel like I don't try to project too much. I don't, all I care about is Bell significantly better than everybody else on that team. If I still believe that, then I'm not that worried about Frank Gore. I mean, where are you taking Frank Gore in a fantasy draft? Oh, Adam? I'm not taking him at all, but I just think well, he could be a, like, I don't, a thorn I just think in the it's side. A ter- it's a bad argument to say, like, I, you know, I'm really concerned that Frank Gore is going to get potentially like eight or nine touches a week. Oh no, but I wouldn't touch him. Like, well, no, because eight or nine, eight or nine touches a week and nothing in the passing game is not enough to make someone fantasy relevant. It, it, so, like, the argument is also, you know, I, I know we're bad at projecting whatnot, but you still have to read the tea leaves, right? Adam Gase doesn't appear to have a very good relationship with Le'Veon Bell. He, I don't know why you say that. Like, he just literally came out yesterday and said, "I know you guys think we don't like each other, but uh, we do." Well, like, I mean, aren't you sold by that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not quite the thing, it, and it's all it's all a soap opera like that's the soap opera aspect of it that i just don't know like people don't have to get along if he's good if he's playing well like the reason they didn't get along last year is because that team sucked and yeah. that offensive line was terrible and they didn't have a quarterback and nobody's gonna get along in that sort but situation, again right? i think the offensive line is still terrible and we'll see i, I look at it i look at percent different levy yeah. bell has 566 carries in his last two seasons that he's played. I know he skipped one year, but 566. Are you going to use a wear and tear argument? He didn't no, play two years No, 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 no. 566 okay. carries in the regular season. Not one yeah. of them longer than 27 yards. Not it, a big play guy, no question about it. He's, like a, he's a phone booth. He's not a sprinter. He's not, I mean. But who, that's alarming like, to me. He might not be good anymore. I think, I think that we might have to start okay. just acknowledging that I mean, that's what, you know, he just might not you, be that good I mean, anymore. I don't believe, I don't believe that numbers tell us whether a player is or isn't good. I, I think our, in, in football, I think uh, our eyes tell us if the player is or isn't good. And we absolutely, you can look at him play and decide, I don't see it anymore. I don't see explosiveness. I don't see lateral agility. I used to see the moves, you know, on my podcast, we call him the jazz runner. Cause you know, just this improvisational zone running style. 
And if you say when you watch him that you just don't see it anymore, there's really nothing I can do to counter that. If you don't see it, you don't see it. I don't think the fact that he doesn't run for a certain number, a length of runs really tells you much. Oh, okay, fair enough. Um, let me, uh, let's get into our IDP draft. That is, after okay. all, uh, why you're here. I mean, we got to talk IDP. And um, <laughs> and before we do that, I just want to tell everybody about a charity league that I'm involved in. So is Dave. So is Ben Schrager. So is Frank Stamfel of our Fantasy Baseball Today podcast. This is called Pros with Joes. It gives everyday players the opportunity to co-manage a team with their favorite fantasy expert or in my case, non-expert in a league with uh, more than 50 of the brightest minds in the industry. And it's for a great cause. Proceeds are going to a ton of amazing charities. For me, it's the American Cancer Society. So if you want to team up with me, um, we're donating to that. For Frank, if you want to team up with Frank, uh, you're getting a one-year subscription to Sportsline and a Fantasy Football Commissioner League uh, from CBS Sports in addition to donating to a charity. So if you're interested, go to proswithjoes.rallyup.com Dot com and search for the names for, for Ben Schrager, Frank Stamfel, S-T-A-M-P-F-L, for me and for Dave Richard. Proswithjoes.rallyup.com. All right, we don't have a ton of news. Like Cam Newton's the starting quarterback. Debo Samuel is looking more likely for week one. Good chance he plays. The Jaguars traded another starter. They traded safety Ronnie Harrison for a fifth-round pick. They've now traded Jalen Ramsey. That was obviously last year. Uh, Yannick Ngakwe, A.J. Boye, Calais Campbell, and now the safety, Ronnie Harrison. They could have just such a bad defense. Um, and the Cowboys released Taha Clinton Dix, so that's going to, of course, lead to some Earl Thomas speculation. Uh, in terms, And we got a mailbag to get to as well. So in terms of IDP, do you, do you like IDP? How do you feel about it? I like IDP the way we play it in, in the league that we play in together. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not that crazy about idp where you have like three defensive players just doesn't feel like it adds any scarcity and there's just no reason to ever reach early in drafts but you know we play in a league where how many you're starting like nine defensive players is it i think every week yes uh now you've got now you've got yeah now you've got legitimate um scarcity in it like there are definitely i mean any fantasy league what you're looking for are different paths in a draft to to win in that in that draft, you can make the argument that taking a defensive player in the seventh or eighth round is a good strategy. You could also argue waiting until the twentieth round is a good strategy, which I like. Yeah, I, I actually think the way we play makes me less likely to to take. Like, I want to try to get one or two really good defensive players. I didn't quite accomplish that. Uh, well, maybe I did, but I only took one early, and it was Bobby Wagner. Um, yeah, do you know who I took? Who? <laughs> Do you know? No, I Do you don't. Know right in front of you? No. He's dead. I'll put it that way. <laughs> he plays for the Chargers and he's a safety. Oh, Derwin James. Dead. Oh, wow. Well, yeah, when did you take him? I mean, early enough to, you know, not, not, not I don't I think it might have been like the 10th round or something, but it, it doesn't feel great. Yeah. So there's so many players that it's like getting one stud, it doesn't do as much for your total fantasy points. I mean, we're starting. Three wide receivers, a flex, two running backs, obviously, tight end, quarterback, and then nine defensive players. So it's harder to, for one player to really have a huge impact. So defensive players don't go that early um, in this draft. I'm going to take a look and try to find... I mean, they find. go earlier think, than any other IDP draft that I've done. They go earlier. If, if the people are... Especially if you've been playing it for years. I mean, I've been in leagues that have three IDP players, and everyone's been in that league for a while, and... Mm-hmm. They never go as early as they go in this draft. When do they start going? Because we had Darius Leonard go in the sixth round. 
That was the first pick. Right, which is which is it seems to me that as among linebackers, he's the clear standout. He's almost a tier unto himself. I think it's defensible, even though I wouldn't go that early, but at least I like the idea that it's a possibility and you don't you don't just mock it. Um because you say that it's so diluted, but it's diluted for every other position too. You, if you can find consistent every week contributors in a format like the one we're talking about, which Leonard is, then they're just as valuable as some dumb wide receiver. Yeah, I think once you start getting to like your fifth defense, like defensive back, I mean, matter. they're interchangeable. Right, there are so many interchangeable. So you do kind of want to get elite ones, but if you're playing in a deep IDP league, there's a lot of just interchangeable parts here. Um, there were some IDPs that went in the seventh round. Um, and then, yeah, obviously a lot later in the draft as well. Are there any in particular that other than Derwin James that you like this year? <laughs> well, I don't like Derwin James at all anymore. Cause he's not going to play. It's a bummer. It's a, it's a pretty severe bummer. Um, you know, I, defensive back is the place where I like to make a difference if I can, because there are just so many, you could say that well, there's like four or five guys, probably I would say four now, now that there's not five because Derwin James is gone. Uh, but like, you know, Jamal Adams, uh, Landon Collins, I have, I, you know, I have Jordan, Jordan Poyer, who I was really impressed and surprised. I thought he was in my hip pocket. I was going to take him and people are on to Jordan Poyer in Buffalo. Uh, I had Buda Baker in this league last year. I think he is great and belongs to that conversation as well. And so I, I definitely, I don't really think linebacker early in IDP drafts because other than Leonard, it feels like a lot of similar se- seeming very consistent production from middle linebackers who just get tackles, right? That's mm-hmm. kind of what they do. Uh, I don't mind getting pass rushers, but you, you need to find sack specialists who also get tackles because sacks aren't prevalent enough to have, you know, the sacks be the only thing. Um, but I, but I, I, Reached for Derwin James. He was the first defensive player I took. It was the wrong call. Uh, but if I can get one of those four or five defensive backs, I I, th- I think they qualify as what you just described as those like worth reaching for. They're pretty different from their their position mates. Okay, so not really so big on the defensive lineman. Like Daniel Daniel Hunter went in round eight. Um, Joey Bosa went in round eight. That's not that's not sure. your thing. You're not. It's fine. I mean, I think I can't remember who I took. I think I took a couple of those guys. I might have taken Melvin Ingram. I think he has a potential bounce back. He's an interesting sleeper because he was so defend. Uh, he's been pretty disappointing the past couple of years. Uh, I, I, I'm fine with it. Uh, like, there's. It strikes me that the elite tier of defensive linemen is a little bigger than the elite tier of defensive backs. So if I'm going to reach the first pick, I'm going to reach with is probably a defensive back, but. Um, I'm certainly more likely to def- take a defensive lineman before the hoi polloi, you know, before we just start grabbing bodies. Because at linebacker, I feel like that's all we're mostly doing is just grabbing bodies. So my my preference of position would probably be if I could get an elite defensive back, that would be first. Elite defensive lineman, I'm definitely in. There's just a little bit more of them, so I can wait a little bit. And then linebacker, probably that doesn't matter as much. Fair enough. Blake Martinez is an interesting name. He was kind of a tackle machine with the Packers. And now he's yeah. on the Giants. I do yeah. not want to take him early. He, uh, he's. I don't think he's that good. I mean, he didn't have much of a market. And the book on him was that he just made a lot of plays like kind of downfield. And the Packers had terrible defensive tackles for a lot of this. I mean, they had bad run defense. The Giants have a much yeah. better run defense. I'm not sure Martinez is going to... Hey, switching teams, like there's just a lot of variables there. If you're investing an early pick in a linebacker who's not like a great player. But Blake Martinez is not Darius Leonard. 
Um, right. And he's going to a new team, and there's just some variables. I think that's a mistake. I, yeah, I'm fine with that take. I, I I just think just generally, if what we're trying to do is predict which teams are going to funnel tackles to their middle linebackers, we don't know that. Uh, true. So, but you're, that, so, so that, you're right. Like, why take a why take an average player under the yeah. assumption that just because last year on a different team they funnel a lot of tackles to him? To say right. nothing of the fact right. that the way the Giants scorers sometimes split tackles, I don't know if you ever noticed that before, but no. The, the, just the giant scorekeeping in general, you get a half, you see it, you get a half tackle and you're like, he tackled him. Why don't I get one tackle there? Oh, no, I didn't know. Okay, even more reason not to like Blake yeah. Martinez. All right, yeah. well, I hope that's helpful for IDP. Um, you know, if you have any more questions, just tweet Chris, you know, he'll, he'll answer your question. <laughs> your, your contempt is just dripping from your voice. It just No, I, I don't mind it. Uh, you know what, it's, I don't really like... Um, I'm not I'm not that experimental. I don't like new things. I don't like change. So Same. I'm not really into like points per first down. But then once I get in the league and I start playing, I like it fine. You know, it's fantasy football. Right. And I'm into it. Right. I love the IDP league. It's actually one of my favorite leagues now. I wish we yeah. had fewer IDPs because I think it would it would lead to more strategy. But instead we have so well, I many. I I mean the thing that you're saying about how the the defensive backs towards the end of the draft are disposable, you can make the same argument about the wide receivers you're taking toward the end of the draft too. Like, yeah, but you don't have to start those wide receivers. You have, you know, that you're drafting toward the end. Those are just bench pieces. It's fair. Yeah, it's a fair point. I, I I like it. I I think a good indication that it's a good league is that every time we do that, I mean, I've been in that league for years and years now, and every time we do that draft in the chat. There's like four people going, I'm totally on tilt right now. I have no idea what to do. This league is messing me up. And anything that breaks us out of our, I've done 80 mock drafts. My strategy is always the same. The players I always get are the same. Like good. Anything that puts the experts on tilt, that's good. I was on tilt before the draft even started. So I had the fifth pick, (laughs) which is like, I know I'm going to get a player I love, but I don't want to have to make the decision because I don't want to feel like I failed. If I'm going between Dalvin Cook, Michael Thomas, and for me, Clyde Edwards-Zeeler, I know not for you. And then I got lucky because Jake Seeley took Dalvin Cook fourth, and I took Alvin Kamara fifth, and I was I was just very happy with that. I I knew I got I, Zeke at three. Yeah. Oh yeah. All right. So that that was when his plan. Um, yeah. All right. We got a lot of questions from Apple Podcast and from emails. So Chris, you ready? Uh, you ready to answer some listener questions? I'm gonna do my best. All right. This is from R.J. Gilbert, 14 team PPR league. Clyde Edwards-Elair and Robert Woods for Kenyon Drake and DJ Moore. Who would you rather have, Edwards-Elair and Woods or Drake and Moore? Being being a pretty big Drake doubter, I, I think I'm probably going to take the other side. But I think that DJ Moore is terrific. So like, there's something, there's a lot of upside in the Drake Moore side of that deal. But I think I probably go Edwards-Elair and Woods. All right, this is a keeper question from a city in New York with the state's only pro football team. I guess that would be Buffalo. Uh, it's dear Sam, Norm, Cliff, Woody, and Frazier. We know them. You like Cheers, Dude, right? I'm from Boston, man. Oh, I yeah, there you ball. go. The Bull and Finch. Uh, 10-team PPR Bull keeper Finch. league. A oh, Bull Finch? Yeah. yeah. There's no and? No. Damn it. All right, we have to start over. Start the podcast <laughs> over. <laughs> Keep one of these. PPR. Uh, Lamar Jackson in the 12th round or James Conner in the 13th round? Lamar Jackson. From Tiger the Cat, can you talk about players who are going into contract years? And like Derrick Henry had last year, like who could 
show up in mm-hmm. a contract year. I guess Derrick Henry wasn't really in a contract year, was he? Or did they just? I mean, that's the him? problem. Is that there's really how many dudes are really Leonard Fournette? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like the, the the that whole thing about that that old saw about motivation. For every time you want to point to somebody who had a good year for on his in his last year of his contract, I can find one who had a bad year. It's that's not how these guys work. They don't they don't try harder. You can't play in the NFL without trying pretty hard. So I I just sort of I don't think you need to worry too much about it. Uh, if anything, I I can see the argument, the Juju argument that I made maybe winds up being totally not a real argument either, but if if you know the Jags had told Leonard Fournette you're gonna, you're not coming back, right? So that that to me is a red flag. I don't think the Steelers have said that to Juju, but it's been widely speculated that Juju won't be back or T.Y. Hilton won't be back. I mean, you want they're in contract years, so you could argue that's big performances, or you could say they're they're not part of their team's future plans, and therefore they'll be de-emphasized. I don't think I don't think we know how that goes. Uh, this is from let's see, Mark BD one. Uh, actually, I wanted to read I wanted to read two back to back comments that we got okay. from Mark BD one and from Ben Casey Jess. Why do you all discuss non-PPR so often? This is the only podcast or fantasy site I hear even bring up non-PPR at all. And then Ben Casey Jess says, please do a standard non-PPR focused episode. (laughs) (laughs) PPR is garbage. That's why we don't talk about full PPR. I'm not on this show, but full full PPR is a terrible scoring format that should be thrown into the sun. Uh, Wow. You're you're rewarding rewarding nonsense. You're rewarding one-yard dump-offs. Leonard Fournette catching... 76 passes last year, 69 of them four yards down the field or fewer, zero touchdowns. How is that a good season? How are we, how yeah. we talking about him as an RB13 or whatever he was? Like, gross, disgusting. Full PPR sucks. Yeah, but they want, they, uh, and I like half PPR, just everybody just play half PPR. It'll make everything so easy. I, I don't mind standard. I, I honestly, people listen to my show. I'm not really talking, I'll, I'll talk about both, but I'll talk about standard a lot. Okay. Yeah, I think we talk about standard enough but i know on our website more people are playing ppr which is why we sort of gravitated toward that scoring is that uh, your default game though yes uh what I, do you think more people in your i believe so but yeah. but but no we, we have the commissioner product which of course is you know people can customize um yes but if the default game is ppr then of course like i, I was know if it is. forever right and yeah. they changed after i left they changed over to ppr and so now they emphasize ppr because of course they do that's what their game has in it i just don't like that scoring format um see if you get the greeting in this email from grant witcher dear matthew field stefania and secret <laughs> well yeah i think i get that one too yeah, yeah. i think we got that <laughs> um joining my first two quarterback league this year and um I was hoping I get some more tips or strategies on when to take quarterbacks in a two QB league. So, I, I mean, uh, th- there's scarcity, right? So, whereas all of us on this show, when I'm guest on your show, when your guys guest on my show, like we all talk about waiting on quarterback when there's scarcity, you're no longer there. Now you can treat it like a real position. There probably isn't a right answer about exactly when, but like it is very defensible to say that Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, our first round picks, very defensible. It's very defensible to call the next three or four guys second round picks and everyone else needs to kind of be bumped up after that. I, I always feel like I want to, if I can get one of the top dozen quarterbacks, but I also don't feel like you're mandated. And if there are such a run on quarterback in your league that they're leaving behind DeAndre Hopkins, who we talked about earlier, or you're leaving behind players you really like who play even scarcer positions, I'm okay punting a round or two on your second quarterback. 
Yeah, I, I, I let him get your take on this because I, I don't think I have a lot of support for, for this theory. But All right. the, the way I look at quarterback is your scoring system and the amount of players that you start really matter. What you have to decide, what you have to figure out is what percentage, you don't have to actually get the number, but what percentage of your fantasy points is the quarterback scoring? So if you were in a shallower league uh, with like no flex or something like that, and it's non-PPR, then Mahomes gains value. If you're in a full PPR two quarterback league and you're starting like three wide receivers, Patrick Mahomes is going to have less weekly impact. Every single quarterback, every single player for that matter is going to have less weekly impact. So in in a two quarterback league, everybody jumps on quarterbacks earlier and they need to go earlier because you can't find them on waivers. But I'm still going to take five running backs before Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes. And that Me never too. happens in our two QB leagues. Like Lamar Jackson and Mahomes are usually like the second, third pick, something like that. I love right. to... To have three studs, maybe maybe it's only two now, but you know, like I'll take an elite running back or something, then an elite wide receiver, and I would end up my ideal quarterbacks in a two QB league would probably be something like um, Matt Ryan and Ben Roethlisberger or something like that, uh, with a good number three quarterback that I might take earlier than other teams, and I'll just be better at the other positions. So that's that's what yeah, I, come I mean. From. I, so I will. Cosine with the with the result that you just described. I think the process by which you reached it, maybe I don't completely agree with the the notion that because it's a it's a league where you start more players, a quarterback is somehow worth less. Like you said, all players are somehow worth a smaller portion of your pie. the The real question is the real problem with, with the quarterback, just generally that position in fantasy, is that there isn't that much statistical difference between the guys who are really good and the guys who are just meh. Oh, Jamie's and here. The, so the problem you have is you 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 have to kind of work through, is there enough of a difference in the performance of the quote-unquote elite guys to make it worth the while to, to bypass players where you know there is. Replacement level, even in a two-quarterback league among quarterbacks, is a higher level than the replacement level among wide receivers and running backs. So... But but still, what I just said leads me to the same conclusion as you, which is I'm not. If I have the number two overall pick, I'm not taking Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes. Well, Jamie's going to join us for emails. Ready, Jamie? Yeah, buddy. All right, Chris, <laughs> Jamie, Jamie, Jamie Chris. There uh, we go. <laughs> <We've met. laughs> uh, from Chris Smith, I just took part in a 12-team PPR league draft. Uh, 14 of the first 15 picks were running backs. I drafted Michael Thomas fifth. Is this the sort of draft result craziness? Or is this sort of draft result craziness, or is it somewhat common? So, Chris, you were just talking about this. 14 of the first 15 were running backs in this league in a full PPR league. Is you think that's common? Do right. you think people should expect that? I mean, it happened in our uh, uh, telethon draft the other night. That's I was the guy at seven. I took Michael Thomas, and after that, it, it wound up being like six running backs before and like eight running backs after. I don't think it's that common. That's the first time I've seen it especially in a PPR. I felt like that was like the ultimate wise guy result. It was like an industry, but then this happens in the email. So maybe not, but um, all I can say is I don't really ever consider myself the zero RB guy, but there is a point where the running backs make me sick. And if you're going to tell me I can get Tyree kill in the second round and Odell Beckham in the third round, then I'll make up the running back somewhere else. I think it's a very viable path. I think that, like I, we started the whole segment talking about, uh, 
it's a year where the whole market has come around to no running back, running back, running back. And that's a reaction to how badly some of those wide receivers did early last year. And it's probably an overreaction. And if, if you get a draft like the one we're describing, then I'm 100% cool zigging while everybody else zags. Jamie, I'll give this one to you. This is from Brett. Can you talk? Uh, can you spend some time going over targets and strategies for salary cap drafts, which is what we're calling auctions now? Um, quick uh, minute, or, minute on uh, what to do in a salary cap draft, Jamie. Well, I, I think you know you want to kind of tier your players, you know, so you know see where there's a um, uh, you know cutoff of you know guys that you can't you know live without a uh, group of players you can't live without, you know, and sort of jump into that group whenever you start to see them going off the board. Um, I'll always throw out guys, nominate players that I don't want to let other people, you know, try and bid those guys up because I think that's, you know, a good way to have other people spend their money. Uh, one thing I always do, um, is, uh, especially if you play kicker and a defense DSD is get those out of the way early because you can probably get the ones that you want for, uh, the least amount of money possible, usually a dollar. And so if somebody spends $2 or so on any of those options, then they're just, again, wasting their money. But, uh, you know, I always take a balanced approach. I, I don't usually like to take the stars, the studs and duds approach. I'd rather take a more balanced approach of building my team. And that's just kind of a, uh, a philosophy I go about with salary cap leagues. Okay, this is from Niall in a guillotine league. 17-team PPR, three-wide receiver, two-flex guillotine league. What the heck am I supposed to do for the draft? I have the third pick. Am I trying to get guys with good early schedules? Uh, should I take Kelsey or Kittle early, or does that not matter? So Guillotine League, uh, for those of you who don't know, one team is eliminated every week, the lowest scoring team. Chris, any advice for for this type of league? I just think you play it like you play it. I, it's very difficult for me to look at schedules. And, you know, we're, we're wrong about, I say this all the time, but we're wrong about teams all the time. We're wrong about who the great matchups are. Remember Tampa Bay, San Francisco? Was that opening week one last year? And we were all really, really excited because Tampa Bay was going to roll over that terrible San Francisco team. And like I yeah. You know, my feeling is uh, take the players that you think are going to be good and give you a season-long winning team, and then week by week, you might get some bad luck, but a good season-long winning team should win a lot of games. Yeah, the only thing I wonder is, I like, had, in a guillotine league, uh, Jamie, like, I'll throw this to you. Do you maybe not uh, have too many players with the same bye week? Um, I don't really worry about that because the way that most of those leagues work is you get the option to pick up other players when those – teams are eliminated so your team at the start is going to look probably dramatically different by the end in a much okay. different way because stars are going to be available um this is my second year doing a gating league last year i did take the uh early season approach of i went in on the ravens with lamar jackson and mark ingram targeting those guys on purpose because the dolphins matchup and it worked out well i didn't manage my salary the best in picking up players because i spent early on guys that I thought were going to be like carry on Johnson became available. And I spent too much on him, for example, um, instead of just relying on the roster that I had built and maybe saving and, and, and just continuing to advance. I made it to the middle of the season. Um, I'm in the draft right now to, uh, for the same guillotine league. It's other analysts around the industry. And uh, I, and I got screwed in, in a sense because I went, it's, I think it's, it's 18 or 17 uh, uh, other fantasy managers and I went receiver, receiver, receiver with my first three picks. And my first running back was Ronald Jones. So what I did was to pivot uh, to get a second guy, I looked at the schedule and I took Marlon Mack, figuring he's going to have a chance to you know beat up on the Jaguars in that week one game. And so just get me to week two. And if 
if I get to week two, just get me to week three, you know? So um, I love my receivers, but my running back situation is going to be a little bit dicey. So, you know, now looking for options that I think just want to, you just want to survive in a miss. You don't want to be the worst team. Chris and Jamie, yes. thank you. Good stuff, man. It was great having you on. Excellent info today. Really appreciate it. Oh, thanks for having me. It was a blast. Anytime. Chris Harris. Chris Harris. Good. I love hanging out with you. Of the Harris football. Yeah, it's good yeah. to see you, Jamie. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you guys hung out on the draft. I thought I don't feel bad. Harrisfootball.com, the Harris Football Podcast. Oh, sorry. I have Jamie on my show like way more often than Jamie's comfortable with, so. <laughs> Jamie loves making the rounds. Don't worry about it. Have a great weekend, Chris. Have a great weekend, everybody out there. We'll talk to you on Sunday night. Good luck in your drafts. Uh, I'm Adam Mason. See you later. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com.